Good morning. You, uh, you got ahead of me. I'm supposed to introduce myself. <laughs> um, yes, Josh is my husband. Um, I guess there's a lot of new people here, so I just take for granted. I just assume we all know each other, but I don't actually see anyone ever because we have five kids and we homeschool. And um, as I asked to share a little bit too, I, I've been volunteering at the Dream Center. That's kind of a passion of mine, working with sex trafficking survivors, um, teaching kind of like a public speaking performance discipleship class. I don't know. It's really fun. Um, but that's a little bit about me. Um, so I was asked a few days ago, um, to hop in here and I just felt like the Lord was like, you know what? I just want you to share what I've been teaching you this week. And, um, this is probably like super basic and obvious to most people, but it's been rocking my week. So, um, I've been in Psalm 50 and I'm specifically in verses 14 through 15 It says, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I shall rescue you, and you will honor me. So that night I was like, okay, cool, I can offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So I sit there and write down all the things I'm thankful for, and I was like, that's pretty easy. I don't know why you call that a sacrifice, God. And then, you know, it's like time to get back to like life and the nitty-gritty and you know I have an hour of laundry to do and then someone pees their bed and then someone cries long enough at two in the morning for me to just not be able to go back to sleep for two hours and I'm so mad and God's like this is your sacrifice of thanksgiving and I'm like dang it why this is so much harder in the like everyday little annoyances you know it's so much easier when you're sitting there reading your bible or sitting at church singing your praises um you know, and it's just so easy. Like we don't even, it just becomes habit to let grumbling set in, especially in the little things, in the little annoyances, which is where God tests our faith the most, right? And our character and our integrity um, about circumstances or other people or our job and school and responsibilities. And um, God was like, how about you focus on being thankful? Like, oh my gosh, God, even though I have an hour of laundry, thank you that I have working laundry machine and, and washer. Thank you that I don't have to make my own laundry detergent. Thank you that we have electricity. Thank you that I get to do this by myself while everyone's sleeping. And I get to just listen to something. You know, just once you get going, you're like, there's so many things to be thankful for, like even more than things not to be thankful for. Um, and it's just like a, a muscle you have to work. Um, and something I love, my husband always says this, is fire falls on sacrifice. And thanksgiving is a pleasing aroma to the Lord, and it attracts his gaze towards us. Um, on the other hand, we can talk about grumbling. Um, and he, I keep bringing up my husband, where'd he go? Um, he normally is up here. But he, years ago in a sermon, said something along the lines of, complaining and grumbling is intercession to Satan, and only empowers him. And so when we do that, we're literally worshiping Satan. Like, that's his language that, that he speaks and he gets empowered by. And um, around the beginning of the coronavirus, I was listening to this Bob Jones prophecy kind of about what's happening now, even though he spoke it years and years ago. And he was saying, we're now, I believe he's talking about now, we're in a time of greater accountability. Um, so we have more power and authority with our words, um, but we have to be more accountable to our words. Um, and we need to learn how to hold our tongue. And um, 
this girl uh, at the Dream Center. She's like, my mama calls it a holy hush. And I was like, yes. <laughs> I'm taking that for myself, just learning that holy hush. <laughs> um, but I had this vision years ago of um, speaking, uh, kind of like, you know, the difference between speaking blessing and curse. And when I spoke blessing, it's like this beautiful golden feather just kind of floated down on whatever I blessed in it turned golden and it breathed life into it and um, it came alive and then whenever I spoke cursing this like black feather floated on it and it's just like it's like you know if something catches on fire and just burns to a crisp and it just deteriorated and there is certain things we're meant to curse like sickness and death and corruption and tyranny and those types of things Um, but how many things in our daily lives do we just curse out of frustration or just mindlessness you know God's holding us accountable for every one of our words um and this was like pretty intense if you this was like when the I think I had two or three littles when they were really little um I just felt like for a season they were always sick and I'm not saying like every parent goes through this but the Lord was really speaking to me about this where he was like you have power in your words and You're releasing death in your household when you're speaking, even just the negative, like the small little complaints. He's like, I want to give you authority with your words and your prayers, but I'm showing you how much you just worship Satan in this. And and it's like, once I started to break that off, like the sickness was gone. And so that's, it doesn't happen like that all the time, but that was just like a little life lesson for me. Um, So I feel like the best example in the Bible is in Numbers Um, 13 through 14. So the spies all went to Jericho and scouted out the promised land. And um, I think it was 12 of them, right? (laughs) All the tribes. Um, Only two of them had a good report. But all the other ones said, you know, they're like, it's kind of funny when you read it. They go, we went into the land to which you sent us. And yeah, it does flow with milk and honey. Like, what? I've never seen a land flowing with milk and honey. And they're like, yeah, here's the fruit. And it's like had to be carried back like one cluster of grapes and the figs had to be carried back on like this large pole because it was so huge. And they're like, yeah, here it is. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of blah, blah, blah. They just keep going on. So if we have the holy hush, they summoned the unholy butt. Sorry, I have four boys, but like, it's really, how many times are we like, yes, God, that's so great, blah, 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 but, and then we just like squash out the blessing. Um, So then Caleb silenced them. He's like, stop it. You guys are ridiculous. We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Like, simple as that. But then they came back and they said, no, we can't. Those people, they're stronger than we are. just come on, man up. But they just kept going on and on about how big the giants are. There's Nephilim. We're like grasshoppers, all that. Um, So that, those leaders, when those leaders just kept focusing on the negative and the impossible and not focusing on how big their God was, that affected the whole country of Israel. And it says, all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Oh, would that we have died in the land of Egypt or that we would die in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's choose someone else and lead us back to slavery. (laughs) And it's like they're complaining God did the most amazing miracles for the Israelites and parted the Red Sea and caused all these plagues to break out and um, devoured Pharaoh and his men. And he was like... And all they wanted to do was go back to their slavery. 
And if you know me, I love current events, global events, all that. So I'm bringing that back to today and right now because we're in too important of a time to just ignore it, um, I think, from the pulpit. Um, but how many of us in these past two years have been awoke, awakened, awakened <laughs> to, the, um, to God blowing off the filthy, corrupt sewer lids of pretty much every insti- institution we've put our hope in in the past? Um, and... Like, how many of us have been grumbling about it and like, man, I just want to go back before 2020, God, when it was all safe. And it it wasn't. We were just blind to the slavery that we were in. And we were comfortable and we thought like, oh, you know, like, we were good. We were good. Like, everything, it it wasn't good, but we were good. And we were, like, comfortable and safe. Um, And I mean, like, from the government to education system to the Western medical, pharmaceutical establishments to scientific institutions, Hollywood, mainstream propaganda, I mean, media, like, everything has been blown off. And um, I don't know about you, but it feels a little bit like the Truman Show, if you've seen it, where (laughs) Jim Carrey is, like, artificially grown in this bubble, and it's like a reality TV show, and he thinks his whole life, he's just like, this is my normal, safe, everyday life, and he wakes up one day, and he's like, oh my gosh, this is all a simulation, this is not reality, what's beyond the bubble, and I feel like God is like showing that to us, like, no, you have a greater reality to live in, where it's not bound to this simulated, um, like, kind of a matrix you know where we're all just we've all just been numb and just like okay with the evil and God's showing it to us and it's hard to to look at um but he's like no you need to see this so we can get beyond slavery and right now I feel like we're in the wilderness where we're like oh my gosh God like look at how big the giants are in the land and all the great powerful elites and blah 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 and God's um taking us back to the Bible and I don't know about you guys but I feel like the Bible is more relevant today than it has ever been in my life. And like reading Psalms or like even this with numbers, you know, it seemed like, especially when I was little and I would even like at my school, like before school, I would take my Bible, my precious moments Bible and try to read like, you know, all these like Psalms and break the teeth of the wicked and all that. And I'm like, God, I don't know who the wicked are. Like, I think you've taken care of them. And I know you don't want to do that to people. And, but just seeing today, there's such, such a juxtaposition between good and evil. And, um, and it's, it's the spiritual battle, right? It's not between flesh and blood. Um, but there are people who have very much chosen the enemy's camp. Um, sorry, I'm getting a like whew, a little <laughs> off track here. Um, Thank you. (laughs) But um, so Psalm 37, like, for example, I was saying that the Bible is more alive than ever before. Um, It's funny because God gave that to Josh and I both before we got married. Um, And it was like at first a little snippet just really spoke to me. And throughout the years and as we're going on, it's like every single line is becoming like, wow, that's an incredible promise for right now. and one part of it, Psalm 27, 27, turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is on his heart. His steps do not slip. Um, okay, so just... Moving on past this. Okay, so um, okay, so going back to Numbers uh, 14, 24, 
God was speaking of Caleb, and he said, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. God, make us of a different spirit, right? Like how much of the church is, Josh does this all the time too, how much of the church has a proctologist view of the world and of each other, of the church? Like, no, make us of a different spirit. And the more I become aware of what's going, this is personally, the more I become aware of what's going on in the enemy's camp, um, I I love to know what's going on in the world because I, I, prophetically want to know, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? But sometimes it can get easy to get slipped into the muck and the mire um, and and get disillusioned and just kind of get hopeless, sit out on the sideline and just be like, okay, God, I hope you come and rescue us soon before it gets too bad out there, you know? Um, and uh, But every time I pick up the Bible, you know, it, it does just become like prophetic manna for right now, all those promises of the Lord. And the enemy wants to tempt us to question if these promises of God are for today. Um, but I was talking to someone this week, and they were calling it telescope prophecy, where it was for that time. And then there was for another time, probably like a thousand years ago, and then another time. Like, it's a living word, right? It's always living and breathing and relevant to us today. And I think the enemy wants to tempt us to just be like, man, that's not for you, blah, blah, blah. And then we just kind of sit on the sidelines and miss out on those promises. Um, So... This goes back to death versus life. What happened to all the other Israelites that grumbled and complained? They said, God, that we would die in the wilderness. And he's like, okay, that's what you get. That's what you behold. That's what you're worshiping. That's what you're grumbling about. That's your inheritance. And that's like, whew, that's heavy, right? Like how many times do we do that without even thinking about it? Um, But God, you know, he said the very things you've set up your eyes upon and worshiped will come to fruition. And Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the power of the the tongue. Um, You know, God holds us accountable for every single word is out. It says that in James. That's a paraphrase. Um, So Psalm 50 verse 5 says, gather to be my faithful one who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Caleb made a sacrifice of faith when he defied the others all of Israel, he went the opposite direction and chose to view the promised land with a heart of expectation and hope instead of fear and complaining. He said, of course God will be with us. Of course he'll make these giants for our food. Like, this is ridiculous. What are you guys saying? Don't you know what God has done for us and who we are and that we belong to him? And he called upon that covenant of the Lord and and the one that Moses, like he, he spoke that to all of Israel and passed all of his glory and goodness before Moses in Exodus 34. Um, um, and, and then Moses had to come and intervene too and was like, no, God, because God's like, oh, that's it. I am done with you. You guys are a faithless people, Moses. Let's go, you and me. Let's, I'm going to make a new nation out of you. And he called upon the covenant of the Lord. And um, 2 Corinthians, you know, is talking about the glory of God and um, the, the covenant with Moses and God, like in the Old Testament. And how much greater is it now through Jesus that we're not under the law, but through the covenant and the blood of Jesus. Um, And so we're going to do communion here. Um, So we enter into covenant with Jesus. There's no other way. There's no other way by being a good enough person or going to church enough or, you know, saying pretty nice things or whatever, but only through Jesus. Um, When we receive him into our hearts, 
and as our Lord and Savior, but we keep the fire on the altar lit through sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. So we remind the Lord of his covenant with us as his people when we take communion with that sacrifice of praise. And then he promises that when we call upon him in the day of trouble, he will deliver us and shall glorify him. And that goes back to Psalm, what was it? It was 50, sorry, 50, 14 through 15. So it's just like, just dwell on that. While we're waiting for communion, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Who feels like they're in the day of trouble right now? I mean, I, I like we're pretty safe in like a nice little bubble. But when you look at world events and what's happening, it's like I can't stay narrow minded and just like mind my own business. Like there is the world is too dependent on us to walk into the promised land, right? And to possess the land and claim our inheritance. Um, so we are going during Thanksgiving or during communion. I want you to just take this time while you're waiting to just have a time of Thanksgiving with the Lord. And I, I especially encourage you to press into those hard places. That's hard to thank him, you know, um, whether you're struggling with your health or your finances or relationships. Okay, God, what can I lay on the altar as Thanksgiving in these hard places, in these unsure places, in the pain, in the sickness and whatever it is and lay that Thanksgiving down. Um, cause that blesses the heart of God more than anything. Um, so um, we need to repent for grumbling. Also, let's all repent for grumbling while we're waiting and, you know, to take communion and complaining. And let's be more impressed by the enemy than God and lay the sacrifice on the altar for him to bring the fire. So we're going to start from the back. On this side, you're going to come up, take it, go back. Same with this side, take it, go back. And then we're going to all take it together. Um, so instead of people watching, let's repent for complaining and grumbling and lift up our sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. So come on up. Don't be shy. Peter, maybe you could put up Psalm 37 if you guys are kind of stuck. Um, just pray through a scripture and thank him line by line. Um, I'm actually going to do that really quick because um, it just stirs up the fire like nothing else, like praying back and thanking God for his promises. Thank you, God. This is Psalm 37, 27. Turn away from evil and do good. Thank you, God, for giving that option, God, through your covenant, Jesus, to turn away from evil and do good. So we shall dwell forever. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you love justice. You love true justice, not twisted, tainted social justice, but the true justice of the Lord. God, we want to know what that looks like in our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you promise you will not forsake your saints. So we don't have to be afraid of the giants in the land. Thank you, Lord, that you say we are preserved forever but the children of the wicked shall be cut off, Lord. That is part of your justice. You will not allow wicked to reign forever. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, God, that the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Lord, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. Thank you, Lord, that your law, the law of God, is in our hearts so that our steps do not slip. Guide us by your wisdom, O Lord.
Um, Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we have, an obtain- we have obtained an inheritance, um, being predestined according to his purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Um, let's see, I'm trying to go back. And we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God, we just thank you for um, the covenant that you have let us enter into with you, Jesus, um, by taking your blood and body, that perfect sacrifice, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to receive your perfect sacrifice, and yet you call us um, worthy enough to be able to lay a sacrifice on the altar, great enough to move you. And it seems so simple, thanksgiving and praise, Lord. So just uh, we thank you, God. We lay on the altar that sacrifice of thanksgiving for your body, Jesus. Ephesians 1 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight Jesus we just take this blood right now we thank you for the greater covenant through Jesus' blood where we can hide in the cleft of the rock hidden from the enemy while you Jesus pass all of your goodness and all of your glory before us even though we're in the wilderness and still unsure of how we're going to defeat these giants in our promised land. Your blood is enough, Lord God. So I'm going to invite up the ministry team. I don't know if you have any um, prophetic words or anything, but I have a little challenge for you guys this week, a little hands-on activity. (laughs) Um... I want you to find an accountability partner, and you hold each other accountable. Let's fast from grumbling and complaining for one week and see what fire falls on the altar of our lives and on our church. And if you catch yourself or someone catches you grumbling, just repent right there. I know like when you're like in the heat of it, you're like, I don't care. Like just soften your heart, repent, and replace it with three things to be thankful for. And let's just see what happens this week. Um... Come on up. That's all I got.